there to Film Ireland, our Film Ireland viewers and listeners. This is Alan Graft, uh, a man you don't know, you know. Uh, stuntman, actor, second unit director. Uh, I believe also a brilliant football coordinator for football. I see your additional uh, IMDB. All of them are a football coordinator. <laughs> a lot. Well, I direct all that football. I hire all the football players. I do it all. You were a high school player, you were a professional player, and then you became a stuntman. How did you make that jump? Well, basically, I had a good high school career. I was an All-American, and then I went to USC, University of Southern California, and I started there four years, and then uh, we were the national champs, which was big deal back then. We were 12-0, and 0, which no one had ever done. And then I was a free agent for the Los Angeles Rams and uh, I was the last man cut. And uh, I went into the World Football League, which only lasted two years. But in between that, I, uh, I met a guy who I knew from the Rams and he was coordinating a football show, a Disney movie called Gus about a mule that kicked field goals. So, <laughs> He wondered what I was doing. I said, I'm not doing anything. Why? Well, he said, I needed a double for Dick Butkus. Dick Butkus is a famous all pro football player and he had just retired and he had bad legs and he needed a stunt man to do all the football. So I said, I'm there. And so I, I doubled him in that movie and uh, that's what started my career. And then I doubled him for over 20 years. And uh, then I met a lot of other stunt men and, started working out with them and that's what started my career yeah friday night lights another 48 hours water boy uh i've done 17 football movies so it's a a lot of movies but in my earlier career i kept telling my agent you know i i don't want to be just known as the football guy and he says you're not you're you're doing great work they want you you might as well take it so (laughs) In the meantime, I was lucky enough to do other shows, and uh, eventually I met Walter Hill, who changed my career completely, and I started working with him for over 45 years, so that was that was great. American football kind of uh, was the reason you met Walter, in a way, or got talked to him, because he loved, he knew your career. <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocked, as I say. Back in the days before 9-11, you could walk, you know, on a studio lot and go talk to other stunt coordinators and stuff. And uh, back in the seventies, as a young man, I was walking around 20th century Fox lot. And uh, I hear this guy yell, Hey, Alan Graff. I look over. It's, it's a uh, assistant director that I had worked with on Gus. And he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm looking for work. He goes, well, come here. I want you to meet somebody. And uh, so I go over there to the office and he's in there and they're getting ready to do a movie called The Driver with Bruce Dern and Ryan O'Neill. And he walks me into the office and he goes, hey, Walter, I want you to meet somebody. He goes, who is that? He goes, that's Alan Graff. Alan Graff, number 61, USC football. My God, you are awesome. And and there's two producers in there, Frank Marshall and... uh, Chuck, uh, I can't think of his name now. But anyways, he, he talked football for 30 minutes while those guys were sitting there. And they were obviously having a big meeting about the movie. 
And he goes, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm looking for work. He goes, I got you a part. Come on, you'll play a cop on this movie with one of the most beautiful women, Isabella Janney, a French actress. And I go, I'm in. <laughs> so I worked on that movie and that was the start of our relationship. Can you believe as they that? Say, as they say in Casablanca, this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm talking about, loyalty. How many people in this business or any business I've been with a man 45 years. That just, that just doesn't happen, you know. It's awesome. We've done a lot of second unit work for Walter as well. Work. And again, yeah. he he didn't give you that just out of loyalty. He knew you'd be well able to do a brilliant job for him. Well, when he told me after uh, the uh, – we were doing a movie, Red Heat, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi, and they went to Russia to film – the start of the movie and I was already I didn't have to work there I was over in Vancouver British Columbia and I was doubling Dick Butkus on a MacGyver so I get a call early one morning and it's Walter hey well he's in Russia he goes uh the guy's name was Benny Dobbins and he died of a heart attack and that was a sad case and we talked about him because we liked him and uh, he says you're now my stunt coordinator and I go, wow, that's unbelievable. He says, you know, I said, if, if I don't do the work that you expect, please don't keep me on. I want to I want to do it right for you. And that's that. So uh, the next movie was uh, we worked on was Johnny Handsome with Mickey Rourke, Ellen Barkin. And that's when he gave me my shot at directing second unit. And I went out there and um, did a good job for him. And that was I just kept going. But you have to remember something. When I was just a stuntman, I would always talk to the camera operators and the cameramen. Hey, why are you using that lens? Why are you using that speed? Why do you slow down? Why do you shoot it at 48 frames? I would, I would talk and learn everything about the camera as I could. I just didn't sit there and do nothing. So when that was my time, I already had this knowledge and what I wanted to do, especially in football, because NFL films was the thing they shot football, which was very exciting. And I used that template when I started shooting, because when I was working and doing a football player on movies like North Dallas 40 and any and these other football movies, um, Heaven Can Wait, I, I said, I don't. I didn't like the way they're shooting it. They made it look too Hollywood. I wanted the football to look real. I couldn't make the football not look real. When I played on a national championship team guy, these guys would call me, oh, Graf, that looks phony. What are you doing? That's not how it is. So I wanted to make sure that I made the football look real. You understand? That's So I had that in my back pocket, too, that I wanted to make it look real and awesome, you know. And that, that's how my second unit, because I would work with Walter, then I'd go off and do a football movie or another movie and uh, come back. We did Westerns. I did, you know, war movies, Mel Gibson, you know, big, huge war movie. I'm not a big sportsman, but there's two of my favorite football movies. And one of them is yours. And that's Any Given Sunday. The football stuff and the way Oliver shot it, it was really, really nice in that film. I don't know what the rest holds up with the football, but the other <laughs> one is the longest, the longest yard, which you, I'm sure you, what did you uh, think of that football was? 
Now, now that football look Hollywood. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a difference. But any given Sunday, uh, Oliver Stone's a tough director. You know, I, I turned him down three times because I heard, you know, not great things about working with them, you know, and uh, Platoon and all these other movies he did were very tough, you know, the, the doors. Uh, so my agent said, Alan, they're offering you a lot of money to direct this football. And I finally gave in. And I said to him, you know, I'm going to do it, but you let me do it the way I want. And he goes, you have it. So the only time I didn't like it is when he used a shaky cam. When someone hits the ground, the ground shook, so the camera shook. You know, we could have shot that another way. But, hey, I, I let him have it, and that was that. But the football was intense. And I had actual NFL football players working with me on that you know and they thought god almighty this this ain't phony you can't fake football like you can fake a fight in a movie you know football's real guys have to hit can't you can't fake it you can't fake the tackle you're gonna hit the ground so that's why i have doubles doubling the actors all those actors that are in football movies are double but i make it a point to get the top guy and the best looking guy and you can't even tell if the guy's wearing number 12 you believe that's guys number 12 that that's the guy and i think that came a long way with me and other producers hiring me for their other football movies they just thought because i did it did it so right you know how exactly did that evolve for you? I mean, with all these physical stunts, running, jumping, and being hit and all that, did you yeah. find that difficult transition from football or was it easier? It was easier because, you know, I was a physical guy. So when you're you're an athlete and you do physical stuff and you're walking people, I, I was lucky enough that, A, I went to USC right here in Los Angeles. People knew who I was because I was on a national championship team. And there was a lot of people in the industry that went to USC film school or just USC, you know, production managers, producers, camera people, whatever. So I got, I had like a head start in it that way, but they knew I was kind of a crazy guy. Hey, we need a guy to go through that wall, get graph. He'll do it. Hey, we need a guy to fall here. He doesn't need a pad graph. will do it. So I did stuff that, sometimes no one else would do because I wanted it so bad. And in the early days, they would call you a sissy if you wore pads. You know, you couldn't wear elbow pads, knee pads, hip pads. Health and safety was different back then. <laughs> safety was way, way different in the mid-70s. They didn't care. That's why, you know, finally we started hiding elbow pads. We started hiding knee pads you could wear them, you know. And that that made a jump for me too that i was a very physical guy big guy you know and they liked it plus i could act so then they go okay graf's gonna play uh, thug number one he's got like three or four lines we don't have to double them so they saved money they didn't need to get a double for me i i did it myself and that boosted it pretty quickly because i could act i was a bodyguard i was a cop you know as a thug and they never had to double me, so it was great. T tell me about your your very famous stunt in another 48 hours. 
I was the actor, stuntman, and second unit director on that show. There was a danger in that that hadn't been seen before. And even today, yes. it, it looks hugely impressive when you know so much CGI is involved in stunts. Back in those days, CGI wasn't up to snuff. They hadn't gotten it better. And this is, back in those days, this is real stuntmen doing real stunts. And that, that, was, a, that was a tough thing because I had a pound of TNT in that bus. Uh, I mean, even the special effects guy, he was nervous. He wanted me to sign a release. So if I blew myself up, I couldn't, my family couldn't sue him. I couldn't believe that one. <laughs> But anyways, to get to do that stunt, Walter said, Alan, I want you to do a stunt, but I, I don't want the same pipe ramp. You know, we used to do pipe ramps on A-team and everything. You'd see a Jeep fly yep. over or something. He says, I want you to flip it differently. And talking to the effects guy, we just, you know, the only way I could know how to do it, because they did it with cars, but they only put one cannon. And a cannon is... Uh, a steel cylinder, which they put a telephone pole and wrap it in steel. And on the top, it's a half moon and they put a bomb on it. So that that's attached to the frame. When you hit that button, that thing drives down, which lifts the bus. So we went all over Hollywood and talked to everybody. Hey, what do you think about cannon roll on a bus? Whoa, man, you're going to need two cannons for that. You know, 40,000 pounds. So we prepped it and prepped it, and I'd go up to Magic Mountain, which is a amusement park, and use their parking lot, put cones down, and try to slide it. Well, I knew one thing. I wanted to go 60 miles an hour this way, and then when I slid it, I wanted to go 60. I didn't want to go 60, 30, 20, you know, or it wouldn't, it wouldn't go down the road. It would just flip, and that, that would be that. So we, we took out the inside dualies, you know, it has four tires on the back. We took the insides out. That helped, but not enough. Then we came up with, I'll have a little toggle switch and I'll shoot oil back on the back wheels. So that came around nice when that oil was on there. So that's how we did it. We came around and hit that button. And in those days, because everybody is a start worrying about you know, accidents and what I couldn't blow myself. I couldn't push my own button. So I had to build a little cage for a little stunt man to sit right behind me and tell him when to shoot it now, now. And he would practice with me because the fire marshal of the state of California, there's a lot of people getting hurt with these kind of things. So they didn't want that to happen. Let alone with a pound of TNT in the bus. I don't know. <laughs> they're not worried about that, but they're worried about the button. So we did it. And uh, so, how, how many of those have you done? Did you do the? Did you do the bus stunts? Obviously, in Red Heat as well. Yeah. Well, that Red Heat was one of my better ones. You know, uh, driving the bad guy's bus and chase, getting chased. You know, it was just. I would love to do that again. Those are the kind of stunts I would love to do. You know, the hardest one, believe it or not, is when I flipped a bus and nowhere to run a Claude Von Damme movie. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, I did. Yes, yes. Nowhere to run. And I was the prison driver again. But this time they wanted me to flip the bus underneath a freeway. 
it out out here in the Simi Valley area. And I hadn't been able to prep the bus. I never drove the bus. But I told the effects guys, because I was up in San Francisco working on the movie, and they wanted me to flip the bus. And so I had to talk to them, everything by phone. Okay. Now, the morning of, we're back down there. I go walking out on the set, and I look under the freeway, and I see like 40 guys, men, Caltrans, producers, CHPs, everybody standing around talking. And they look at, hey, Alan, come here. God, what's going on, guys? Well, we got a problem here. I go, what's the problem? He says, Caltrans guy says, if you flip this bus and hit one of those pillars, we got to close the freeway down. That's going to cost millions. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You hit we? And the stunt coordinator, you can do it, can't you, Alan? I go, I haven't even driven the bus. And now I'm, you're telling me that, and I have to flip it and not flip it over, just flip it on its side and slide it. Just a little bit. <laughs> Let's do it, Alan. So that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you do stunts like this, you know, you got to have a lot of prayers. And you got, so that was you a gotta, very slim preparation for that stunt. That's no preparation. I didn't even try. I, mean, I had to back it up and just test my brakes. But the main thing they changed on me is instead of using black powder, they use nitrogen air. To, okay, to, yeah. So that's a different feel and a different everything. So the guy goes, how much air do you want in there? I don't know. How much are you going to put? Fill the sucker up. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus. I, I, I've never been under the gun so bad as I was at one. And now I get there and they go, hey, Alan, where do you think you're going to land? Where are you going to end up? I go, where am I going to end up, boys? I don't know. So I walk down the middle of the tunnel and they go, put an IMO where you think you're going to. Yeah, now IMO is a crash camera. So I put this crash camera because I used to put crash cameras everywhere. They turned out to be great shots. I'm lucky. And uh, so I put the camera down there and get back. I test the brakes a little. Okay, let's go. I don't know what else I can do. But this time I can hit my own toggle switch. <laughs> so come in. Now, the, I don't know if you remember, but a guy, bad guys, slide a car in front of me and I slid and I flip on the side. And that's the deal. Anyways, here we go. Action, Alan. And the guy comes. Boom, I flip it and it slid right underneath, didn't hit a pillar, didn't do. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Uh, you know, my sphincter muscle was tight. What am I? <laughs> what do you do? I was very lucky and blessed to be able to do that stunt with no prep. That was unbelievable. That was wow. worse than a 48 because the restraints I had, I had 10 feet on each side of the bus. 10 feet, that's it. And never driven the bus. That that was what that was eighty seven or something like that 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 film was made. No, it was nineties because it was done after forty eight out another forty eight. So still no health and safety of of any regard. And what they did then, which was cool, they had a camera and they used to flip the bus. So all the stuntmen in the bus, they showed it would flip, you know, sideways. That was a cool shot. But as time went on. And it was, we needed help. Uh, you know, CGI was coming in. The one good thing is I, I used the CGI 
on uh, another 48 hours when a guy, the bad guy gets shot out the window by him and he, you, I did a camera and you see him almost landing into a water truck and you don't see the cable and you see that that was a great shot and you see him going. And then I got into the water truck and I dropped a 500 pound dummy. And then I had a water cannon and you saw a blow. It was an unbelievable shot. That's a great, it's a great moment. Um, so I always find CGI is great for cleaning out wires. That's when it's at its best. Well, they can it's wipe that- out wires really good. So that was, you know, especially high falls. Cause that's, that was one of the dangerous things we used to do is all the high falls, mm. you know? And, and the pre- would you say the preparation changed a lot with car stunts over the years? You still need a lot of prep. Yeah. Prep is the key to not wasting time on the set. Oh, let's figure this out. No, it's already figured out. We know what we're going to do. Time is money, especially, you know, when you do small. Well, it's also people's lives at stake. <laughs> lives. And who's responsible? Me. So I, I got to make sure that we're all okay. And that we prepped it and the stuntmen are happy. Cause I used to tell my stunt team, Hey, if you think that I'm wrong, tell me if you think there's something better to do, tell me. And that's why I, I believe to this day that the stunt people I've used have always been honest. And uh, that's why my career was good that way. I mean, I did a show, I would tell you a night's tale, uh, the jousty movie. You, did you see that one? Uh, with Heat Ledger. Yes. Unbelievable intensity. No, no CGI. I mean, these guys were hitting each other. And every time I said action, I held my breath. Uh, because coming at each other on horseback at 30 miles an hour and hitting each other. The good thing is we figured something out is that the last three feet of the pole was balsa wood, which is a squishy wood that we use that breaks easy. And we stuck spaghetti in it so we just put long spaghetti things so when it hit it splintered like wood i love i love hearing stories like that because it's a beautiful simple effect yeah and no one knows the difference and the good the one thing is that we did if you didn't get your lance you hit the guy you'd have to move it if you stuck him in there you would really nail the guy so we had to we we nailed a couple of guys but no one seriously so it was good you know but I, that was one, I, I have a lot of pride on that movie and that second unit because I directed all the jousting. You know, oh, Brian wow. Heglin said, I want you to make this jousting as intense as you do football. Get it real, get it very, and we did. If you saw it, you saw that jousting. And every one of them had to be a different look. So that was uh, the key. And building up to that climax where it really all comes together. Because that's very hard to have a guy do a back over off of a horse and then land on his front. That's tough. The switch from uh, cars to horses didn't throw you because uh, you would have worked with horses on long riders as well. And uh, oh, a long riders, yeah. Well, them going through the glass was unbelievable. Uh, that was a tough stunt. And there's no CGI there. There's one right through candy glass. Would you say that working with Walter is a different experience to other people in general, or do you have oh, other yeah, favorites? Absolutely. You know, we've been together so long. He just says, Alan, get, go, go get the shot, do this, do that. Unless he wants to be specific, he'll tell me something. But he believes in me, and he believes in my creativity. 
So that's what's that's what's great. And I would go beyond because of our relationship. He's like a brother to me. So I would do more. And you know what? He's 80 years old. <laughs> He's not a young man. And uh, he still gets out there. And we, we kid a lot. There, I've never been on a set where you can joke as much as we joke a lot, you know. And I think that takes the tension away from him having to talk to these high-profile actors a lot. He just comes to me and we talk about a lot of stuff, not just about what we're doing, but other stuff. And he's a big football fanatic, as we know, so we always talk football. So, it, yes, it's different working with Walter Hill, for sure. <laughs> you ever think you might direct your own movie down the line? I would love to before I call it quits. I want to. You know, I'm going to tell you, and it's not being sarcastic or anything, but a lot of people don't want people that know more than them. Producers want to say they know it and they don't want to listen to someone else or a director. Yeah. Whatever it is, a young, there's a lot of young directors out there. You give them ideas or oh, no, they, they don't take the experience, you know, that people have to use that. But I've been, I could be direct, I could have been directing 10, 15 years ago and uh, almost got it, but it keeps, you know, something happened. Oh, he's a first time guy. How can you say I'm a first time director when I direct these actors? You know, Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte, all these guys, Christoph Waltz. I directed Christoph Waltz, I directed William Defoe. And, you know, they can't say that I'm a first time guy. That's, the, that's what bugs me. Yeah. You know? but, but again, even Walter would be, would probably agree that he's one that uh, he came into directing through writing. And that's even harder to do today than it was back then. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't a writer. I didn't come up, but I, I would always help people. They would always ask me, hey, how could you write a stunt sequence for us that works? And I helped some people along, but I, I'm not a writer that way. Not like Walter, or Oliver Stone or these other big time, especially how, how am I going to compete with Brian Hagelin? The guy won Academy Award writing. You know, I worked on it with him on L.A. Confidential. Okay, well, I was the wife beater at the beginning of the movie. Remember? No, I, I do recognize you. And the guy... I recognize I you from... The ones I recognize you from most are Last Man Standing and Another 48 Hours. <laughs> Last Man Standing. Did you guys ever get to see uh, Deadwood? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, I played Captain Turner. I had a big fight. It was unbelievable in that. That was, that was a lovely role. It was, that was oh, a, good, lovely it was a great role. series. I, well, this is what happened. Walter did the pilot. I coordinated it for him. And then he, he left and I stayed on. They asked me to stay. So I stayed and I did another four episodes. But then I got a call to do a second, big second unit. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go. I'd rather do the second unit than just coordinate. And there wasn't a lot of action on Deadwood. So after my two movies, and they were still going, the producer called me up and said, hey, Alan, how would you like to do a part? You're perfect for this Captain Turner. I said, yeah, I'll do it. So he brought me back, and I played Captain Turner, which was a great part for me. And I was happy they didn't give me a ton of dialogue. The dialogue was tough on that show. Very rough, very hard to learn. And, uh, but I went back and I coordinated this fight that 
it's just unbelievable. Most people says the most realistic fight they've ever seen, especially on TV. You know, it's not fast. It's two big guys fighting in the mud, in the blood, and the beer, you know, just, I made it look real. I wanted it to make it look like we were tired after a couple of minutes, you know, <laughs> and uh, HBO and the, everybody, they got a ton of great letters and cards and emails about that. So that made me feel good. It was a, that was a brawl and a half. <laughs> brawl and a half. But they wouldn't tell us who was going to win. And that, wow, I that secretive. Yeah, they, they kept a, a big secret. And I know, I mean, I mean, my heart, what are they going to do? Cancel a guy who's a lead or a stuntman who's going to, you know, come back in, stunt actor. So the day of, we shot 12 hours the day before long days then the next day said well who's gonna get it they said we'll let you know at lunch so we shot in the morning and then after lunch they said alan go to the makeup department so i knew it was me and so what are we doing they put a fake eye in my i saw it right now they didn't tell camera people they didn't tell the action they didn't tell the extras they didn't tell nobody they just wanted to get this effect and so see what happens. And boy, when he ripped my eye out and I was screaming blood, people were freaking out because it looked so real, you know. So that was that was great they did it that way. The work that goes into being a stunt coordinator, you're dealing with higher ups, you're dealing with your own people, you're dealing with safety and unusual situations. So give us a sense of what goes into you, what goes to your head when you're getting into something like that. Most stunt coordinators or background are either they were race car drivers, they were gymnasts, they uh, drove motorcycles, you know. They had some kind of physical thing that they did for years before they got into business. So they had somewhat experience. Me playing football was the physical part of it. So that helped. So when they got into business, I just, I didn't become a stunt coordinator right away. <laughs> I would watch other stunt coordinators. I would see how they do it. I mean, I had my own thoughts of how you should do stunts, but I, I, I would go out and practice. You know, we'd learn how to drive a car on weekends. We'd go to a place, set up cones and learn how to slide cars. We'd go do fights. We'd practice fights. We'd practice falling off a building into boxes. So you, you had to practice it. You know, you just couldn't show up on the day and here I am. <laughs> uh, but that that's that was one of the good things. And I think with the, the background that most of these stunt guys come with, it's definitely a plus, you know. So that's that's what it came to. Now, if there's an action, a piece of action or stunt that I did wasn't familiar with or didn't feel comfortable with, that's why I have a team. I'm not the only guy. It's a team effort. Hey, you know, we're talking about safety. We want to make sure that this is done right, you know. And we always had to, if it was something that had to be involved with the special effects, like explosions, guys running over cans that explode, and the guy has to do a, a cannon or something. You know, air rams where a guy would hit and flip them over. All that is just from experience and keep going and learn from other people. So 
unfortunately, when I came in, there wasn't a lot of that because they were still doing Westerns. They're still doing that. But when Hal Needham did it with Burt Reynolds and stuff, and they started doing bigger things like cannon rolling a car was easy. You just put it in the, the trunk and flip it because it's so light. So every time I saw something, I just put it in my brain and said, okay, that's how they did it. I'm going to remember that someday and I'm going to do it something else, you know, the way, the way it works. Now, we started doing stunts and then eventually, you know, we could remove wires and we can do certain things that helped our safety. It was all about safety at first. You know, CGI was great for them. They weren't great when it came to flames. Fire was always, oh, that you could see a fake fire. And that bugged me, you know. And that's what bugged Walter too at first when he when we started. He didn't want any CGI. He wanted whatever we shot be in the camera. You know, that's why guys like to come work with me. There was real stunts. So Eventually, that's how it happened, and then slowly but surely, CGI caught up, and now, God, they could put a car in some place that wasn't a car there. So when you see a car crash another car, that car wasn't there, and, but they could put it in, you see. Do you, do you think it's affected the style of movies in a really big way? Well, with all these superheroes. I, <laughs> well, that's know. another thing. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, that's, uh, I'm not a big superhero fan guy. I, I mean, that's, that's just me. I'm old school that way, but I know it's a big deal and they make tons of money, you know, but I'm still like stunts to be stunts as far as you can see and do safety wise with the CGI. But when you have guys getting shot, they get up and come again. Everybody gets shot, but they all live and everybody shoots everybody. <laughs> even the squib is nearly dead isn't it at this stage now they can put the squib in and because squib you have to have multiple costumes so once you blow one out and you want to do a take two you got to get another costume the effects guy has to put another squib in and sometimes it would slap you you know boom and the guys would get a red mark on their chest or something but I always liked the feel of it. Mm. When I did Johnny Handsome, you remember that movie? I just yeah. told you. I was playing a guy. I get out of a car. I slid a car in the French Quarter of Louisiana, New Orleans. And I'm running. And I get shot, I don't know, eight or ten times. I had squibs all over me. Wasn't that the bank, the heist at the start of the film? Yeah. And I was Bob Lemoyne, I guess. And I'm, I'm running and I'm getting shot. And I had all those squibs on me, <laughs> you know. It adds to the performance. Huh? <laughs> it added to your performance. It added to my performance, <laughs> yeah. The other one was in Long Riders, I, uh, which made it great. So I was a bank customer, and they're robbing the bank. And I'm standing there, and the girl, lady screams, and I run out the bank, and I get shot in the back. Well, that was a squib. And you see all the blood go all over the window. I mean, it was great. And I robbing a bank. They're robbing a bank. And I hit the ground, right? How many times has Walter shot you? <laughs> oh, did you ever see Extreme Prejudice? Yeah. One of my favorites. 17 times in that movie. How many different people did you uh, do stones for in that film? 
uh, I think five or six, and the other ones I was just an ND guy. They'd they'd uh, put a beard on me or put a mustache, take my mustache. You know, people. Hey, Alan, you do you want to shave your mustache and be another guy? And I would say, yeah, hair grows, money doesn't. <laughs> that will grow right back. That money isn't going to come back. You know, so. And, I, and I, when I was coordinating and I needed a guy to play a cop and back in those days, you know, long hair, stunt guys kept, I said, Hey, you want to cut your hair? No, I don't want to cut. You're going to, you're going to make this money and you don't want to cut your hair to be a cop. No. I mean, there were so many guys that wouldn't cut their hair. So I'd always ask up front, you're, you have to cut your hair. If there's a problem, I can't hire you. And guys, Hey, some guy, I'm cutting my hair. Absolutely. Hair grows. You know, okay. You know, what was the most challenging uh, film for you? Challenging? Another 48 hours was pretty big. You know, it was bigger than the first one. Yeah. Uh, it had a lot more action, more stunts. Um, and, you know, it got my attention having to flip this bus like that. No one ever done. I'm going to say, Paul, to do something in the movie business that no one's ever done is a pretty good thing. It put a, put a feather in my cap. And that helped, you know. And then after the next one, they started calling me Ralph Cramden. <laughs> you know, the honeymooners. <laughs> hey, get Ralph Cramden graph. He'll do it, you know. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, I, you know, and then the Red Heat one, driving the buses. Uh, I was the bus guy. I loved it because it was very physical and uh, just so much fun. That's when stunts were really fun. You know, I, I was blessed to be in this business at the time I got in. I'll tell you that. A Western that you worked on with Walter that I were very fond of. It's a, it's not a movie. It's a kind of television movie, Broken Trails. Oh, I love that movie. I did a lot. We had beautiful. Yeah, I got to shoot this beautiful stuff. And all those horses, I shot all those horses running. We had a girl get trampled. Remember, she jumps out. And then I had to shoot that. That was a pretty cool scene. But all the horseback and all the beautiful, you know, you're up in the uh, Canadian Rockies and the snow and the beautiful stuff. It was gorgeous. Yeah, we did a lot of good stuff on that. I'm very proud of that. It reminded me somewhat of a kind of Anthony Mann. A lot of greenery because that was, uh, that's, that's, was that, that's what was there in, uh, you know, Calgary, Canada and the Canadian Rockies. Opposite of that is when we went and did Geronimo and it was all deserty and you're up in there and it's like the John Ford movies with the big buttes and everything. Uh, that was a lot of fun because that was like how it was really done in those old days shooting out there in the West, you know, and I had a lot of stuntmen on that, you know, over a hundred different stunt guides and I had to get the great writers and we used real Indian stunt guides that I got from, Montana and Idaho and you know uh it, it just made it very real I noticed you've got a few projects on on the go uh, you've still got a, a few more movies in post-production I want to do some more and I just talked to Walter I said are we going to do another one <laughs> he goes hey I just finished we gotta get we gotta get another one you know who's gonna hire him he goes who's gonna hire an 80 old director I said someone will Walter they appreciate what you do so Hopefully we get another one before it's over. 
but yeah, I got another, I got another football movie, maybe. And then, um, I got another one, maybe a present day one in January. I hope they all come through because I'm not ready to retire. I'm, I'm ready to keep going. I have a lot of energy and people like my attitude and they have, you know, I, I, I love this business. 